The NBA is getting involved in the Damian Lillard trade saga, sending a memo to all 30 teams breaking down what to do and what not to do. Does this improve or hurt Miami's chances to land Lillard? Who's at fault here? And does the NBA hate Miami? We debate that and more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always, David Rubel. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We're going to break down this memo that the NBA sent to all 30 teams in regards to the rhetoric just around Damian Lillard's trade request, how his agent, Aaron Goodwin, has handled his business publicly and privately. Uh, before we get into what it means for the Heat, their pursuit of Damian Lillard, um, and just sort of, to me at least, the surprising media reaction around it, I think it's important to take the time just to read the memo in full to get a complete understanding of where it is that the NBA is coming from. So here's the report, uh, the memo. Recent media reports stated that Damian Lillard's agent, Aaron Goodwin, called multiple NBA teams to warn them against trading for Lillard because Lillard's only desired trade destination is Miami. Goodwin also made public comments indicating that Lillard would not fully perform the services called for under his player contract if traded to another team. We interviewed Goodwin and Lillard and also spoke with several NBA teams to whom Goodwin spoke, Goodwin denied stating or indicating to any team that Lillard would refuse to play for them. Goodwin and Lillard affirmed to us that Lillard would perform the services called for under his player contract in any trade scenario. The relevant teams provided descriptions of their communications with Goodwin and that were mostly, though not entirely, consistent with Goodwin's statements to us. Um... We advised Goodwin and Lillard that any future comments made privately to teams or publicly suggesting Lillard would not fully perform the services called for under his player contract in the event of a trade would subject Lillard to discipline by the NBA. We also advised the Players Association that any similar comments by players or their agents will be subject to discipline going forward. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the memo in full uh, on your screen, if you're listening on the podcast, hopefully uh, that made some sense to you. Uh, if you haven't, if you want to see the whole memo, it's reported in a bunch of places, and you can read it there. David, what do you think about all of this? What did the NBA mean by this? Why are they sending this now? Like, what are your thoughts about all this? It's a load of gibberish meant to placate an angry mob that has been rendered impotent by Damian Lillard's request, and I, I think obviously. We've seen a lot of people kind of hint at it that this wouldn't have moved forward without some party protesting the original trade request, likely Joe Cronin. I don't think it takes any kind of real sleuthing to, to figure out that Cronin probably complained and said, we don't want this to be the case. This has kind of left us in a very difficult position. We're kind of being held hostage here. And the NBA has to respond in kind and say, look. We understand what's going on. Your player has requested a trade. He's under contract. It's a bad look. Enough people in small markets around the league are complaining that players under contract shouldn't have this kind of freedom to dictate where and when they should be traded. And I think it's ridiculous. I think it's the sign of an aging dinosaur in the NBA and their hierarchy that's trying to retain control over players as they see it kind of 
slip past them. Like the player empowerment era has been in full swing for over a decade and it should continue to build and build and build. And I think you're going to see much more freedom of this kind and the NBA is struggling against it. And they're also trying to at least publicly say, we don't want this to be the case. We don't want this to be the future of the NBA when in fact it's exactly what's going to happen. I'm not sure exactly when it'll happen, but we've seen this progress. We've seen this growth. You talked about recently how free agency has been rendered kind of useless. And as a result, now we're seeing players sign extensions and get their cake and eat it too and still request a trade later on when something changes within a team structure or something like that. So it's it's a big load of nothing. I don't know the how. It, I don't think it impacts the trade request in any way other than to say, we're doing our due diligence. We're trying to make sure that Damien can't just – you know, hold the the Blazers hostage that Lillard and his Mm -hmm. uh, agent can't hold the the Blazers hostage and control exactly where they should be traded to, that there are other teams that are still involved in this when, in fact, I don't think that is the case. There's so much to get into there. Um, (laughs) I I do want to touch on some of, like, the the sentiment out there that this is anti-Miami, that this is the NBA Mm. stepping in now with this trade request where they didn't step in with previous trade requests. And I think that some of the logic behind that has a lot of holes in it. And quite frankly, I've been surprised by some of the arguments that I've seen out there. But before we even get to that, I don't think that this memo is anti-trade request. I think I disagree with you in that way. I What the, what this memo says to me, and the reason I wanted to read it in full in that way and show it on the screen here, it's not anti-trade request. It's anti-breach of One contract. Team. It's, hey, you can't, you cannot threaten to not play. We don't. If you want to try to request that trade, go ahead and request a trade. But don't make it as public as you have, because that's a bad look on the NBA. The NBA kind of has like this wink, wink agreement with players. Like if you're going to do this, there's sort of a playbook to do it. Yeah. And Aaron Goodwin and Damian Lillard and you and I have talked about this. This is not new. This is the most transparent trade request we have ever seen by a star player ever, and it's not close. And, and I do think that that rubs people the wrong way, wrongly or rightly. You know what I mean? Like I said this before, if Dame would have just listed a second team that didn't have the assets just for show, we wouldn't be doing this right now. Because if it, it's one thing to have two or three teams on your list of trade destinations, but it's another thing to have one. And for whatever reason, people have an issue with one. They don't have an issue with two. And that's all. And we've had that argument already. But to me, this is warning against breach of contract, right? This is not anything to do with player empowerment. This is basically saying... You cannot, you cannot threaten to not play. You are under contract, and you are under no, and you are under obligation to play while under contract. It doesn't have to be for Portland. It doesn't even have to be for Miami. It could be for any of. But if you're under contract, you gotta play. You just gotta play. And and so when in the memo they say basically they're asking teams, hey, is Aaron Goodwin basically called you and threatened that if you trade for Dame that he's not going to play for you? And the memo basically says. None of the teams have even said that. And that's what strikes me as interesting here too, David, is this idea that the NBA is investigating Goodwin for threatening breach of contract, where even in the reporting around this, there's never been an actual report saying that Dame wouldn't play. It's been skepticism out there. It's been talked about wondering if people people wondering if Dame would actually hold out and just not play. But here's the Adrian Wojnarowski quote when, when all this kind of got brought to the forefront when Goodwin really started going public. Here's the full quote from his story uh, from two weeks ago. As Cronin explores the broader landscape, Lillard's agent Aaron Goodwin has been calling prospective trade partners and warning against trading for his client, team executives told ESPN. Goodwin is telling organizations outside of Miami that trading for Lillard is trading for an unhappy player. 
As yep. interference goes, this is a time-honored agent maneuver to depress offers and clear a path to a predetermined destination. Now, here's Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald reporting that same day. Quote, regarding reporting about message to non-heat teams, Lillard's agent, Aaron Goodwin, tells me, uh, tells me, quote, I do what I should for my client. Some teams I did call. Other teams have called me. It's a respectful relationship with most teams. Truthfully, he wants to play in Miami, period. In There's a bunch of stuff in there, but in no place in the Woj thing or Barry's thing does it say that Dame will not play. That Dame is threatening not to play. It's just, hey, he's going to be unhappy. Unhappy is unhappy. Unhappy is not not playing. So that's what kind of, again, going back to the memo. But it's a subtle warning, though. It's a subtle warning, right? To say he's unhappy is basically saying, well, you know what? You, you take him at your own risk and prepare yourself for the potential of yet another trade request at some point until he yeah, gets but it Yeah, but that's not breach of contract. And that's a very, that to me, is a very okay. specific, that's different That's a sticking point thing. from the memo. Yeah, and that's why, but that's why I don't understand why the entire memo was all about the breach of contract. The memo was not about the trade request. It was hardly, there was one line at the end of the memo about the trade request. The entire, most of the memo, like 80% of it, was about, hey, he's got to play while he's under a contract, under an NBA contract. He has to play. And nowhere in the reporting was it ever threatened that he wouldn't play. Now, maybe that's sort of the idea is, hey, he's going to be unhappy. Does that mean he's not going to play? And this is why the NBA was calling teams wondering, hey, is Goodwin saying that he's not going to play? But then there's release the memo. And then in the memo, basically saying that no teams have said that Aaron Goodwin ever threatened that game wouldn't play. Like, he's never even threatened that in the memo. Or, or the other teams are saying that in this memo. So I just that that you, kind of going back to what you said before, it's just a lot to do about nothing, and it kind of feels like this memo is a lot to do about nothing. And it yeah. just like it makes me wonder why now? Why did this come out now? And I think that's something worth exploring uh, here in the next segment. But first, David, let's tell the listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball over at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. That's $200 that you could spend batting, betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. Who doesn't love that? There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks for making Locked On Heat. Your first listen every day, make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. We're talking about the memo the NBA sent to all 30 teams regarding Damian Lillard's trade request. Um, David, why now? Why send this now? Because I think, and I'm curious if you agree with me on this, this doesn't happen if the trade request had been fulfilled. Like Part of the reason why this memo is coming out is because it's been so long and with nothing happening, like the market isn't moving. Free agency yeah. is done. It's been three weeks since the trade request. And in that vacuum, what's filled it is this debate online and on the TV sure. shows and this rhetoric that's just kind of toxic and awful around Lillard. And Absolutely. it's just been a bad look for the NBA. And because I, because it's been so long, they kind of have to get out in the front of this and say, this can't get worse. Like if, if Dame were to threaten to not play. If that was maybe the next step, 
which going back to like why why right. why warn against the breach contract? Maybe the NBA was worried that that would be the next step for Damian Lillard to do is to make things dirty by threatening not to play publicly to try to get his way to Miami. And I think this was them just kind of preemptively getting ahead of that, the NBA, so that it doesn't get uglier. I mean, if the worst punishment that the league can execute is a fine, a maximum fine of $150,000, which is still pretty hefty, obviously, that's kind of chump change for somebody who's making as much money as Damian Lillard. And while you don't want to lose that money or get fined necessarily, if he thinks it's the right move in order to quote-unquote play dirty and kind of speed up this process, I don't really see it as being anything more than just an impotent gesture on behalf of the league. Like, oh, we're going to fine you. We don't like that you're doing this. And we're not we're not happy about the state of affairs, but I mean, literally, the whole process yeah. it's 150 grand. It's like he can still wipe, you know, he can yeah. still continue moving forward, and, and and just go ahead and say, you know what, go ahead, make a trade. I'm not going to play for whatever team, and oh, we, we'll figure it out. Like even Ben Simmons held out. I understand there was some kind of argument there about whether or not he was injured and things of that sort, and he didn't want to play for the Sixers necessarily. Like these things have happened before. I, I'm glad I just, you brought up the Ben Simmons thing because I, I think that's sort of related to this because the Ben Simmons thing was a really bad look. He wanted to be traded because he, he was, right. it was similar under a four year contract. He wanted to leave Philadelphia because he didn't like how he was treated there and all these right. things. Uh, and then he held out and then basically they sued. Find they they find him. The Sixers did. And then they withheld pay. And then he sued to try to get that pay back. Uh, and the Sixers and the NBA Players Association settled out of court basically they settled outside what was key about that was that the nba never got involved which was it was it was between the sixers and it was ben simmons so this was the nba basically standing behind the sixers and saying we side with the sixers we don't side with the players here of course and, they do. right and so this is a much more direct like hey you gotta play while you're in the nba if you're under contract so which i think is why again it's tying i i think we're saying Basically the same thing in regards to the memo. I, I think they are concerned about the overall idea of breaching a, con, a contract, but they also don't like the current state of the NBA because they've heard the noise. Because as you pointed out, mm -hmm. it's been much too transparent. Nobody likes seeing how the sausage is made, and it's been a convoluted mess for a month that's allowed for a lot of anger, a lot of vitriol, a lot of nonsensical arguments on both sides of things, whether you're a Heat fan or not a Heat fan or a media member. We've seen a lot of these arguments, and they have been to use your words, so toxic. And it's just very, very bizarre to see it play out this way. And the league is saying, look, we can't have this. We can't have players do this publicly. If, his, if, if the first news we had heard on July 1st was Damian Lillard was traded to the Miami Heat for four first-round picks, Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson and, and the We would have been way you know, past this. Exactly. Nobody yeah. would be complaining. We'd be all talking about – are Dame and the Miami trade. Heat a super team? Trade. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Like, that, that's the conversation we're having now. Yeah, it, the whole idea of it being a bad trade would have just been done by now, right? If, if yeah. it, even if it was a bad trade, like it was, even that would not have been like the Rudy Gobert trade, which is still like, oh my god, I can't believe that trade happened. Like even that that's deal wouldn't point, have been yeah. like that. So, um, I'm surprised by again the rhetoric around it. Really surprised by some of the Miami-based media and their reaction to this. Um, there's been a lot of people saying like where was the nba when anthony davis demanded a trade when paul george wanted to get to the clippers when all these things happened and my thing with all of that is um those were different those were expiring different that contract. was anthony davis saying yeah it was an expiring contract and saying i'm i'm not going to resign and i've i've literally seen like barry jackson and the herald tweeted this is like where was the nba when when anthony davis threatened not to resign with the celtics to, to not get them to trade for them i'm like 
that's very different than threatening not to play for a team because you're under no obligation to re-sign a contract with your incumbent team. There's no one up. You have no obligation as a player to re-sign anywhere, but you do have an obligation to play while you're under contract. So to me, it's a very different thing here, right? They acquired Anthony Davis and then midway through the season, then he signed as a free agent afterwards. With like the Lakers? He was a free, with the Lakers, yes. Yeah, or they extended him or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out the timeline of it because you're right. I, look, I, it's, it's their permutations of the same thing as you're requesting a trade and things of that sort. But yeah, I, I agree that it has been a little weird. And, and, and we've talked about this before. Media markets. Like they want something, uh, an injection of something new, something fresh, something to talk about, something that makes reporting easy, something that makes this team more captivating to a larger audience so that they can continue to to talk about this group. You know, like uh, Miami, I think, was pleasantly surprised. Miami media members were pleasantly surprised to see this incredible run to the NBA finals. Mm -hmm. But it gave us all a lot to talk about. And I think, you know, from from, you know, just not speculate. I'm speculating here regarding Barry's overall approach to this. But it's like, you know. You've got to defend your team. You want to be able to to defend the team you cover, not the, your team necessarily. Defend the team yeah. you cover so that you can stay in their good graces and at but the same time. It's a bad argument. It's a bad argument. That's the thing. Argue <sighs> on, I want Damian Lillard in Miami. I've been very open about sure, that. No doubt. Personally, because no it would be great to, to watch him play on a yeah, nightly basis. Game, yeah. And then professionally, because our numbers would be awesome. And it's another star in Miami, and it would help us professionally. We would make more money. Yeah. It would be great. And that's, that is that is how the sausage is made for us money? on our side. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just, if you're going to make the argument, make a better argument. And I just, I don't see this memo as anti-heat. And that seems to be the sentiment all weekend. Once this this memo was sent, was reported about late Friday evening, or Friday afternoon, it was yeah. the NBA hates Miami. The NBA doesn't want Damian Lillard in Miami. And I just don't yeah. see that in this memo. I don't see it. Uh, what do you think? Do you think, I'll, I'll point blank, is the NBA being anti-Miami Heat with this memo? I, I, I know some listeners are going to be turned off by it, but no, I don't think so. I, I don't think, I think that's just mostly, again, they don't like the players having that kind of control to either dictate their terms and, ter- and, and where they play when they play, if they're currently under contract, that they can just execute a holdout and things of that sort. They're trying to retain some control because it's all about preserving the fan base and their appreciation of those teams, et cetera. Like, I mean, so I don't think they're necessarily targeting Miami, but I, I do, as I've said before, I understand why Miami fans feel so put upon because it's not just that they have a problem or they'll have a problem with a trade request. It's that Miami is so heavily involved, heavily, you know, heavily involved in this particular trade request. And when Kevin Durant was traded to his third team in as many years, it's a bit, pro- it's much more problematic when, you know, James Harden makes his fourth request over the last few years. It's, it's, this is somehow much, much worse than all that. And Ben Simmons, et cetera. There's a lot of different, um, can we do I, I, I understand Harden, that Anthony Davis Yeah, go ahead. The Harden thing, people before. are, why, why aren't, like, why aren't the, the, why isn't the NBA coming down on James Harden? And I'm just, sure. it's, it's just the difference of, hey, reports, sources indicate that James Harden would prefer to play for the Clippers. The difference between that and Aaron Goodwin publicly saying through media reports, putting his name to it, not sources said, putting his name as the agent to it, an agent affiliated truthfully. with the NBA. Yeah, truthfully, hey, Miami. It's Miami, period. And then allegedly threatening teams behind the scenes to maybe that, that his client might not play for them. 
that is so different. And we could, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous that it is different because it's basically the same thing. Yeah. yeah exactly. that one, so is, one is behind closed doors and the other one is public. So it's exactly what you're saying, David. It's the perception that the NBA has. And it's kind of interesting what Adam Silver has done recently, not just with this Damian Lillard thing, but in, like over the last few months to really try to take a hold on the NBA and especially against the players here. Uh, there's a, I think he's in an interesting position here and he's kind of starting to kind of uh, change the way he approaches things based on some of the criticisms that he has faced. Let's talk, let's, let's break here. We're going to talk about that uh, right after this. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, throw us a like. Uh, and if you're on, if you're listening to our podcast, make sure you are following us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Um, Adam Silver recently, like it feels like he's trying to take a stand against all those things that you're talking about, David. Like the player empowerment thing. Like he, trying to sure. wrestle some control back towards the NBA, the front office, and the teams. Not just with this Damian Lillard memo, uh, with the John Morant suspension, suspending Draymond Green in the playoffs for the Sabonis stomp, uh, the Ben Simmons stuff that we already mentioned. It does feel like Adam Silver, because the biggest critique that, of him was that he was too player friendly, that he kind of was, that like he kind of let the players walk over him in the league office a little bit. And it kind of feels like over the last couple months, he's been trying to do the opposite of that and wrest control away from the players. And it's an interesting time to do that. Now that the new CBA has been signed, it kind of provides him that runway to be like, hey, the new yep. CBA is signed. We're good to go. Now I can come in and be bad cop. I was good cop while we were sort of in the negotiation period. You liked me while we were negotiating. Right. The negotiations are done. Here comes bad cop Adam Silver. Are you reading it yep. that way too? It's all very David Stern-like. I mean, yeah, isn't how, it? Soon be, how soon before we start getting, you know, require player requirements in terms of you know levels of dress and things of that sort? No more, no more bucket hats. That's yeah. so anti-heat. No more, no more aloe yoga wear. You just can't wear that. It was like, wow, that's directed towards the heat. No more tattoos. What was that one that they had? The, the ninja headbands? Like, those were banned? Like, it's all kind of ridiculous. Like, it's all the Ninja about... headbands, I thought it was a safety thing because you could pull on them. But I got that. Good point. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I, that I did not know. I never even realized that might have been a concern. Okay. If that was the case, that's fine. But they looked cool. Uh, so I thought it was worth it. Drew Holiday should have been allowed to wear his headband. That was awesome. Jimmy should have worn it for sure. Like, oh. it, was a, it would have saved the the... The dreads that he had at Media Day last year, but anyway, I, I know he would have robbed you of a great story, but at the same time, like it would have been a lot better. Story, I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we can't forget for all the things that the NBA and Adam Silver has done publicly uh, to promote social justice movements, to promote uh, you know equality among minorities and women and things of that sort. Let's not forget that he is a represent. He is a rich person who represents 30 rich people and very 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 rich people and he will always make sure to preserve what they do and what they want more than anything else like they mm -hmm. he wants to take care of their players publicly but there's no denying the fact that he is an agent of the governors of the 30 teams in the nba and he will always look out for their best interests. so the cba is certainly a big step in that regard mm -hmm. it's protecting owners from themselves and helping out the owners that can't get those superstars that free agents so that they can keep their money, et cetera. Uh, and I think this is a way of curtailing that. It's again, yeah. you're hearing a lot of small markets. And again, I've, I've, I've debunked this. I don't think it's reality. I don't think there is necessarily a small market. I think it's bad teams versus good teams and players who want to stay in good teams versus leave bad teams. 
Uh, and at the same time, you know, these smaller teams that maybe can't keep their players because they aren't particularly good and they haven't drafted well and they haven't been able to build good teams for one reason or another are scared of losing their superstar players in this public a fashion that you cannot be Damian Lillard and Eric Goodwin and basically say, look, my superstar player wants to play for the Miami Heat. It's a problem for fans and and for the NBA to dictate that. Yeah. And Portland could have avoided this too (laughs) if they would have played ball with Damian Lillard and Aaron Goodwin. And part of the reason why this has got so tense and dirty is because Portland is taken the ball and gone home. Yeah, Corona, because Corona has to defend himself and his job, right? Like It's a lot of people here. It's, you're putting it, you're painting him into a corner, and he yeah. has to figure his way out. Sorry to talk he's over, fight, it, but that's no, just, no, he's fighting. He's fighting his way out. He's scratching and clawing his way out of that corner that he's that he's in right now that he put himself in, right. uh, and not not just him, but also you know Neil Olshay did not do a good job running it, and, and Joe Cronin did not, you know, take over a great situation there with Portland, but he did have Damian Lillard, um, and did start rebuilding after Damian Lillard, and again, I think it was the yes. right move for Portland. Well, that's all. Right. Like you, but you can't do the right thing in doing that in rebuilding after Lillard. And then say publicly that you're not doing that when it's clear that you are doing that, right? And so he's kind of put himself in that corner too. If they would have just played ball at the beginning of this, it would not be as ugly as it is right now. And that's not me saying that they should have. I'm just pointing out the fact that it didn't have to get this ugly for the NBA to get involved. Now, Joe Cronin, new GM. Aaron Goodwin, not a new agent, has been representing Damian Lillard forever. But new to this, this is new for him. Never has dealt with a trade request as an agent before. This is not Rich Paul. This is not somebody that has dealt. This is not Excel. Like this is not a, a, a an organization, an agency, or an agent that has done this ever again. And so, when this trade request was first issued, really before it was even issued, there was a lot of talking in league circles. It's going to be really interesting if and when Dame requests this trade because this is going to put a lot of pressure on Aaron Goodwin. It's going to be the biggest test he ever had. Joe Cronin. We already talked about how this is the biggest test for him as a relatively new general manager, right? This is a big test for him, and it is. And this is how he's handled it so far. Also huge for Aaron Goodwin. Huge for how he is looked at across the rest of the league by other general managers, teams, owners, and most importantly for Goodwin, other star players and prospective clients in the future. Because Lillard's 33 years old. He ain't going to play forever. And he and Goodwin, I would imagine, wants to be an agent long after Lillard retires, right? So um, to me— One last question. One, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did you have anything else to add to that? No, I just I think it's interesting that you've got basically an agent new to this, a general manager new to his job and certainly new to this. And you've got Pat Riley, who's been doing this for 40 years, kind of just sitting back and being like, uh, yeah, you know what? Just call me when you're ready to get serious, guys. Like right. it's 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 he's a he's a teacher dealing with like kindergartners right now is what it looks right. like. And he's like, all right, when you guys are like ready to get settled in for your nap, wake up and stop being so cranky, like then we can maybe get something done here. I don't know how long he can wait, which is sort of the thing I want to ask you. Like, what does this mean for Miami's ability to get this Damon Lillard trade done? Does this memo, does everything that kind of uh, everything on the heels of this memo impact Miami's ability to get a deal done? Not in the least. I think Miami is still very much in the catbird seat. I think they're still likely to acquire Damian Lillard. I don't know what the time frame is. It seems like it keeps changing. But I think all of this has been, you know, from Cronin defending himself and defending Portland's perspective and defending his very job to the league protecting their image and making sure that players can't just request trades to teams around the league saying, well, we want a fair share. We want to be able to put in our trade requests and things of that sort. It's all going to play out, in my opinion the way it's been reportedly playing out. There are not other teams 
that have quality offers that superior that are superior to Miami's potential or reported offers that are in pursuit of Damian Lillard. There's only maybe a handful of teams at most that could acquire a player like Damian Lillard and be as competitive as Miami would be if they were able to acquire him. That is willing not only that to be competitive, but also to sacrifice whatever players they have on their own rosters to also be willing to pay him the amount of money that he's exactly. going to be due over the course of his contract. Yeah. So that winnows it down. I really think it's just I don't I don't even know that there's another team other than Miami. There isn't. That is that's what's so crazy about this too with this memo. It's it everybody's oh wow now like this can get this will grease the wheels for another team to potentially a small market team whatever team wants Damon Lillard to trade for him. I'm like I don't think there is another team. I'm still waiting on that reported second offer. I still haven't now, seen it. There is not a second team besides Miami that wants to trade for Damian Lillard. And it, like with all of this like media frenzy around Lillard and the debate around it, wouldn't yeah. we have gotten one report by now if there was another team that wanted Dame that was even a little bit interested in maybe making an offer for Dame? We would have gotten one report by now. It's like Team X would love to play for Dame, would love to trade for Damian Lillard, but Aaron Goodwin and Dame's representation are making it impossible for them to do it. Like one yeah. like. Anybody could have just like kind of saved face with their fans. Like, we would love to get Damian Lillard, but we can't. We can't right. because of what he's doing. Like this is so right. bad for the NBA and it's bad for our small market teams. But we haven't gotten a single report. The closest thing we got was Woj saying that the Utah Jazz made a phone call to Portland, and then that was the and that was it. They never they, and right. to Portland, not to Aaron Goodwin, not to Damian Lillard. They made a call to Cronin, and they decided, you know what, this is not a road we want to go down. All they did was make a phone call. And I would be right. I, I think there was several other teams that made a phone call, but there's no team that actually wants to trade for Lillard. He's an awesome player, but he's 33. He's been making 60 million dollars when he's 36 years old. It's just a hard player to trade for right now. And so I just that's part of it. That's just part of it here. I, I, I'm surprised that we haven't heard even like another competitor in the Eastern Conference. Just try, even if they don't necessarily want Dame, yeah. just for the sake of screwing over Miami and, and upping the bid. Like we've seen this all the times that like regional rivals will sign a restricted free agent to right. a huge offer sheet, right. putting the team that they originally played for that were drafted by in a tough position where they'd have to either sign them or, you know, let them walk. Uh, I saw the Portland Trailblazers do this to the Oklahoma City Thunder with Enos Cantor of all players. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they signed up to a big uh, offer sheet and Oklahoma City had to match. Uh, yeah, and it has been very, very bizarre. Uh, I don't think it impacts Miami's ability to trade for Dame. I, I still think that they're think likely to get it. I think Now it you think it does? How, yeah. In what way would it impact no, us or other teams? I thought – I don't think it impacts the other teams. I just think it impacts – let me rephrase it. I think ultimately Dame ends up in Miami. So I, okay. you and I agree there. I think but it, it forces gonna, Miami to up their offer? It might. Yeah. Okay. It might, and it might, and it does give Portland a little bit more leverage here. Not because of the 150 grand for Damian Lillard, like you said. That, that's chump change. It doesn't matter for him. Like my, Pat Riley will get – Mickey Harrison will just give it to him if they can make yes. – like, it doesn't matter, you know? Yes. But Aaron Goodwin – it matters for him because he faces discipline from the NBA and he doesn't want to make his job any harder as an agent with not a huge client base, right? He's a guy, he's a small fish in a big pond, right? He's got a huge client in Lillard. That's that's by far his biggest client. Um, this could make it, if, if Goodwin and Dame were to play dirty, I do think that this curbs their enthusiasm to play dirty. Ooh. You know what I mean? Good so, uh, show, but uh, no, I'm going to rewatch there. currently. I, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, I think it honestly, I think it actually helps Miami in some ways because I think now it's kind of all been aired out. Like, 
Hmm. Cronin has complained. He's complained publicly. The league has done something publicly. They've saved face. Like, this is why I was telling hmm. relatives about this. You know, they asked me about the memo. I was like, yeah, I think they've now I think it, it speeds up the process to a degree. Because hmm. again, there are no other suitors, no realistic ones. I, I don't think it increases. I don't think it cre- increases the offer that dramatically that Miami balks at it and says, no, no, we're not willing to include X, whatever X might be. And at the same time, now everybody's saved face. The league looks better. We we put the kibosh on this. We've warned everybody for the future. This will never happen again because we sent a memo. And now Joe Cronin could go, hey, man, I complained. I did everything I could because right. I love this organization. I got a memo. I got a memo out of Adam Silver. I will. The final the trade best. package is going to be uh, Tyler Hero, three first round yes. picks, three pick swaps, and a memo. And a league memo, yes. A league memo for the David Lilly. Uh, I actually, I that's a really good uh, theory. I You kind of almost like close the book on the mess, right? This is maybe the NBA. Because right. if you're thinking about where the NBA's motivations are, and again, people have critiqued the NBA being anti-Miami, and you and I agree, right. they, this is, I, I just don't believe that the NBA is anti-Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have been a great league partner for years. Mickey Harrison has been a great owner partner with the league office for years. Uh, and if we are going to talk small market versus big markets, I think the NBA would qu- have quite a bit of incentive to have Damian Lillard play in Miami versus in Portland or anywhere else, right? For like sure. yeah. when the big three were the big three, that was that was great. Ratings even this last finals were much better than people expected, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, if the NBA does have a motivation, an incentive to send this memo, it might be to... It would be to speed thing. The NBA's incentive in all of this, not even the memo, would be let's just get this done so that we can stop talking right. about Lillard and the trade request right. and player empowerment and whether or not this is good or bad for the NBA. The NBA hates that stuff. They don't like that conversation. They would much rather have or the Miami Heat and Damian Lillard super team. They want that on first take. They don't want this on first. They don't want Stephen A. getting up there saying, you know where he should go? The Knicks. Like, you know, they don't want that. They want right. They want this, right? And yeah. so – yeah, if there's an incentive for the NBA if it, for anything, it would be to just get this over with, and maybe sending this memo is sort of closing the the book on that. Yeah, when, when the schedule's released in a few weeks and Dame's already uh, been traded to Miami, and then we can start debating whether that's or not probably another schedule makers were like, yo, do we have to put these games on primetime or what? Like, do we have to put Miami Portland? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like in between that and, and like the league finally hearing, ah, oh, I'm so sick of you guys whining about this stuff already. Fine. Here's the memo. It scares everybody. Let's get this done, boys. Come on. Right. You got a week and a half to figure it out. Point proven. You got <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder if the NBA is stepping in here, even behind the scenes and saying, all right, guys, let's yeah. get in a room. Let's get on a yeah. Zoom call. Let's figure this thing out. Like, get a trade done. Like, what? Let's, like, yeah. Dame, are you are you willing to play anywhere else? Soft, yeah. yes. Just be, yeah. just like, yeah, you know what? If there's another team that has the assets and are willing to trade for me, we would. We would be we would be happy. We are sorry for saying I would be unhappy. We would be happy. Okay, cool. Uh, Joe, have you gotten calls from any other teams uh, asking about Damian Lillard? No, not a single one. Nobody wants to trade for him. Uh, yeah. Miami, do you still want to trade for him? Uh, Andy Ellsberg, yes, we would still love oh, to yeah. trade for uh, Damian Lillard. Okay, what do you have? We have all this stuff. Okay, great. Can you do you guys want Tyler Hero? No, we don't. Can you work for? Can you guys work together to find a third team that would like to have Tyler Hero? For instance, the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. who would probably like to have Tyler Hero? Yeah. Yeah, Dad, I guess we could try that. <laughs> yeah. All this so you can get the keys to the car on Friday night. Whatever. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, programming note here for Lockdown Heat. Uh, August is uh, the slow time of the year. So on the Lockdown Podcast Network, shows will be transitioning from five days a week to three days a week. Uh, David, we'll figure out what kind of our, what our cadence and our rhythm will be. 
Um, yeah. Obviously, people have In this show. Three and, and five shows a yes, week. How about that? It will be. Yeah, exactly. Minimum of three, still maximum of five, six, seven, eight. Like, who knows what happens if Damian Lillard does get traded? Uh, right. If there's news, we'll obviously cover it. But uh, the cadence might be a little bit less than what it was before. Yeah, but minimum of three, maximum of five. We'll figure it out. On a note, another programming note, we will be building up to a big event in mm. Miami Heat history with the induction of Dwayne Wade and the Basketball Hall of Fame. So make sure to stay tuned for that because that should be a, a really good just remembrance of everything that Dwayne has done for this organization with interviews and all kinds of different things leading up to culminating, I should say, with his actual induction in the league in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you'll be there for the enshrinement um, at the hall at the Basketball Hall of Fame. We're gonna have interviews and a bunch of stuff. We gotta figure out something to engage our listeners too. Like we gotta figure out uh, like a poll or some sort of something to include them. Uh, if anybody's got ideas that that that's watching or listening, you could send us on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Uh, any uh, ideas you have, leave them in the YouTube comments. Uh, we would love to get you guys involved, even if it's just kind of going through your favorite Dwayne Wade memories and why you absolutely. think he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. But um, for now. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. David, thanks for joining me. Send in the clouds. Thanks, Adam Silver.